0: Welcome back to the Green Deal podcast. As individuals, but also as a society, are we Europeans prepared to make the sacrifices required to mitigate global warming? Economists think that the necessary ecological transition will have a significant financial impact on a wide range of sectors, This means that it will also, inevitably, affect household purchasing power and influence future inflation. So yes, the green transition will have a big social cost. But there is no alternative. We must compensate for the ignorance of our ancestors and in turn prevent our own inaction from having a devastating impact on future generations. And to do this, we need to rethink the way we live. The cycle of overconsumption, in which we were raised and are still stuck. We can no longer feign ignorance. But how will we pay for this transition? Can the burden be shouldered evenly across society? In the current pessimistic economic and social context, with two wars raging in the EU's immediate vicinity, the bloc's Green Deal seems to be losing a certain degree of momentum economic difficulties, security concerns and next year's European elections are all variously cited as reasons to take our foot off the gas of the green transition, particularly by newly emerging far-right politicians who want to see the climate agenda put firmly on the back burner. This loss of momentum is being felt throughout Europe, as Estonian communication consultant Pøm Kama tells Kukkuradjus Mart Wallner.
1: I can see that the sales pitch for the green transition has become more complex worldwide. It's challenging in Estonia, but it's becoming increasingly difficult in other countries as well. And several European countries have become cautious about the pace of implementing these different policies. There are several reasons for this. Firstly, society is in a highly anxious state due to a series of crises. Secondly, these measures do impact on the economy and the cost of living, which can create excessive instability and turbulence in societies. This can lead to the rise of extreme forces, conflicts and the general destabilisation of Western societies, which has made several countries nervous.
0: BNR's Lilia Goleminova, Meets Milena Stateva, a Bulgarian sociologist and member of Klimateke, an open platform dedicated to promoting climate knowledge. According to Stateva, our political representatives are partly to blame for this loss of momentum. Instead of diverting the responsibility towards individuals, they should be getting us on board by drawing up a new social contract. In a very
2: useful and action-oriented study on climate communication, we discovered that the big problem, in fact, is that people are over-informed about their personal responsibility and that of their household. And this provokes resistance, especially when people who are not stupid see that those who have the power and the resources and therefore the major responsibility are doing nothing. That's when anger and incomprehension set in. Why do we have to do all of these things when they're just a drop in the ocean, while those who have the power and the resources contribute to climate change by doing nothing and blaming it on everyday people, at a personal and household level? This is something that needs to change in Bulgaria's
0: climate communication narrative. Of course, most politicians do realise that they have a key role to play. But as Susana Fonseca from the Portuguese Association Zero Environmentalist tells Radio Renascença Cristina Nascimento, some of them feel suffocated under a deluge in legislative files. When we start with a very
2: big plan, this plan has to take form through many legislative initiatives, many debates, a great deal of work, a lot of pressure, to get the documents, to get the agreements in place. We're talking about processes that are democratic in the sense that they are highly debated, complex processes. Yet, when we are with some of our decision-makers in the European Parliament, we hear that there is a certain legislation fatigue, that is, that there are so many proposals on the table.
0: Lithuanian journalist Milda bobininje adds that in the context of implementing the European Green Deal, politicians lack the ability to distinguish which changes are vital and which are less important. She's speaking to Dominica Goldberg-Gaite at We still romanticize the topic of ecology
2: as if it's a niche topic, a hobby, but it's actually a compulsory topic. It's not a niche issue, it's a must. I think competence is still lacking because a plastic bag does not matter as much. To be clear, I'm not saying it doesn't matter at all, But I mean a plastic bag is a drop in the ocean. It's an important change, yes, we've agreed on that. We all know that it is important in ecological terms to avoid using non-recyclable plastics and so on. But the most important thing is how we
0: heat our homes, what cars we drive. Politicians wanting to engage in the fight against climate change must therefore have themselves a good knowledge of the scientific and economic aspects of the debate, but also work with scientists, environmentalists and communication experts to develop clear, precise and convincing messages. There is, of course, a mismatch between the huge effort required in the short term and the lack of immediate tangible results, since the aim is essentially to avoid a worst-case scenario. And this mismatch is felt no more keenly than by politicians who only ever have a short political mandate and worry that taking unpopular, albeit necessary, decisions may alienate voters. This is why, says Susana in Portugal, Young Europeans in particular need to give politicians a clear mandate for change. Young people have to
2: mobilise and realise that if they want a different future, they have to vote, and they have to vote in all conscience. They have to understand what is being said by the different parties so that we're well represented in the European Union. The EU may seem distant, but it's where practically everything we do today is decided.
0: But the real key to success lies in highlighting, to all demographic groups, the economic opportunities and short-term quality-of-life benefits associated with tackling climate change. Indeed, what we are looking at here is a new growth model, one that some observers believe could, if everyone gets on board, ultimately reduce costs for society as a whole. This is the path that the EU is charting for itself, by aiming for climate neutrality by 2050. A third Slovenian climatologist and Nobel Peace Prize winner, Luczka Kajfej Bogataj, in a conversation with RTV Slovenia's Natasha Godek.
2: This green breakthrough, or green growth, that Europe is planning is in fact a new economic model, it's still a growth model, but it's a model that, while ensuring the prosperity of the economy, doesn't harm people or ecosystems. This is very, very important, because the world needs new viable economic models.
0: So, hats off to Europe. kai fischer Bogatai goes on to say that while Brussels is not pulling the brakes on its climate targets, there is a risk some member states could do so as they look to implement the latest set of climate policy initiatives, the so-called Fit for 50 package. But it's hard to do
2: that in a globalised world, where there are foreign economic models. And the world is, of course, interconnected. We knew there would be difficulties, partly because of the heterogeneity of the EU. We have countries here that are very different from each other unfortunately, for historical reasons, and we knew it would be difficult. Indeed, this package, Fit for 55, was at the heart of these major changes, and it was clear from the outset that not all countries would be able to comply to the same extent. Of course, in some countries things are really on the right track,
0: but in many others we are still finding our feet. This is why the EU must be vigilant about local implementation of Fit for 50 policies, ensuring that the positive momentum towards investment in clean energy and efficiency measures is not lost, as last winter fades in our collective memory. Also says a paper on the EU climate and energy policy after the energy crunch that was recently published by the think tank Centre for European Reform. Brussels cannot go it alone, of course. In the words of Bulgarian climate expert Apostol Djankov, what's needed is a new public consensus across the EU.
1: We, as a society, are never ready for revolutions in real time, the moment they're happening to us. This has been the case with technological revolutions, political revolutions and social revolutions. We now have to have a climate revolution. And unfortunately, this cannot be an evolution, but really a revolution, because we started too late. If we had started taking steps as early as 2000, we might, for example, only have to reduce carbon emissions by 2%, which would be less painful for society. But now we need to act more radically, so that there are never again people without energy, heating, food and water. On the whole, we're not ready yet. But we can become ready. Solutions exist. What's needed is a kind of public consensus and a public willingness to put up with what it will take to get there. Then it will be easy, and from then on, we will finally evolve socially and technologically.
0: Joseph Stiglitz, world renowned economist and professor at Columbia University, agrees that people are often resistant to change in times of crisis. But he tells Gigi Donnelly, our Radio 24 colleague, that's We must learn from past mistakes, as short-term thinking has cost us dearly on many occasions.
3: It is at the moment of crisis that we risk forgetting about the importance of the long run and uh, critical for the long run is sustainability. In terms of the consequences, of uh, the war in Ukraine, and now the disturbances going on in the Middle East, uh, these have led to increases in the prices of fossil fuels, of energy. And it actually serves uh, as an important reminder that if we had earlier moved to renewable energy, we would not be so dependent on fossil fuels and we would be doing a better job managing our way through this uh, particular crisis. So from my perspective, uh, this crisis should remind us even more of the importance of sustainability and uh, serve as an occasion of focusing on the urgency of what needs to be done.
0: A key long-standing concern of all the EU institutions has been ensuring that the transition towards climate neutrality is not only accepted by society, but also seen as fair. Just Google, how does the EU ensure the Green Deal is fair? And you'll bring up countless council, commission and parliament documents. A lot of effort is going into making sure that no one is left behind. As Vivian Lunella, head of the Commission representation in Estonia, points out to Kuzmařt Waldner, this starts with a focus on those most vulnerable.
2: Since the beginning, when the Commission first presented the European Green Deal in 2019, the pervasive argument has been that this green transition cannot work if it's not fair, that we have to ensure we assist people and companies that might otherwise struggle. But how to achieve this? On the one hand, we look at those who are most vulnerable in the most challenging economic situations. They often suffer the most from what remains undone or the consequences of climate change. If we consider the renovation of apartments, which has been discussed at length in Estonia, when we compare poorly insulated houses to zero-energy houses, the costs of heating and energy use can be tenfold. And you know, those individuals who already face hardship have higher costs because of this. What the European Union has done is firstly to ensure that a substantial portion of the overarching euro funds that Estonia receives, we're talking about 8 billion in the current financial framework, goes one way or another towards helping the economy and helping people cope with the green transition.
0: In particular, as part of FIF for 50, the EU has designed a social climate fund to provide support measures and investments for vulnerable households, micro-enterprises and transport users. So if the green transition is to be accepted by all, it must be fair to all. No one should have to bear disproportionate costs, now or in the future. Yet this can only work if everyone is on board which takes us back to the idea of a new social contract with clear and stable engagements. One that has the buy-in of politicians, businesses and especially small and medium enterprises, local authorities, consumers and scientists. It also means adapting political communication on these issues and tackling misinformation. And this was our penultimate episode of the Green Deal podcast. We'll be wrapping up in two weeks' time on an upbeat note. Will technology save the world? Don't miss this final episode.